We're going to read our passage of scripture for today. So if you would like to stand with me, we are looking in the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verse, starting with verse 13. It says this, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. There wa this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Herod then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise man, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel, weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead." And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archaeus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and we are grateful for the gift of your Son. We pray, Father, that you would bless our hearts today as we hear your word and we receive what you want to say to us. We pray that we would take it in and that we would hold it dear as we celebrate throughout this day. Guide us and lead us. Bless our pastor as he speaks. Let him sense your touch upon his life. Guide every word, we pray, and let our hearts be open to hear. In Jesus' name. Amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. Have you, uh, have you ever been a part of uh, a reveal of some sort, something where you were maybe excited about some news and, and they were going to tell you on a certain day what, it, what the answer was? Uh, last night, we got to be a, a part of a reveal. My, my daughter, who sang up here today, uh, is expecting a baby in, in May, and they told us around Christmas time they would uh, reveal what the baby is going to be. And so, uh, fortunately for us, our Christmas party with all the family was last night. Now, Steve and Kathy back there, Steve's back there, theirs is today, so they don't know yet, so I can't tell you what it is. <laughs> Watch Facebook tomorrow. We'll make some announcements tomorrow. <laughs> Reveals are kind of fun. You know, they're kind of exciting things. And as we come to Christmas, I, I want you to think of Christmas as this great reveal. It's God revealing himself to us. 
It's God teaching us something about who he is and who we are, what kind of relationship he wants to have with us. And the greatest part of the reveal is this. God is saying to us that he loves us. He loves you. Some of us have been raised in families where the love of that family is so obvious to us that we know no matter where we go or no matter what we do, we have a family to go to that loves us. Those are great things, and we celebrate that this time of year. But sadly, some others, and maybe some in this room, you come from a place where you're not so sure of that love, and you're not so sure of the place where you're loved. And I want to tell you today, God is revealing to you through sending his son that he loves you. He cares about you. He knows you, and you've got a place you can go to any time that you want to. He sent his son to show us his love. In fact, Jesus said it himself. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his son for us. God is love, and he made us to be objects of his love and of his revelation. So you may not feel loved, but let me tell you, your feelings lie to you. God loves you. Uh, God, God cares about you. We can't honestly say that we aren't loved because God loves us. And I would tell you today, I would tell you that just as in any family, <clears throat> that if you feel alone sometimes, if you don't feel loved sometimes, there's a place for you to run. Even in families where we feel love, there are times when that's not enough. The love of our family doesn't quite even meet the need sometimes there. But God's available for us and made himself available for us so that we have this opportunity to go to him anytime that we want to and learn how to experience and walk in his love. One of the great reveals of Scripture is how he reveals himself in that love and, and how he helps us get it. He puts things in terms and gives us things in terms so that we can understand what this relationship is like. And so in Scripture, over and over again, he calls himself our Father. And, and whenever I talk about God speaking of himself as a father, I always have to stop and say, I, I know there are bad ones. I, I've, I've talked to people who've had absolutely terrible fathers. And that's tragic because it covers up a little bit. I think that's the plan of the enemy. To cover up a little bit of the kind of relationship God really wants to have with you. The relationship of a father who protects us. A relationship of a father who has our best interests at heart. A relationship with a father who has wisdom and experience that we don't have and is willing to share it with us so that we can walk wisely and miss the pain of this world. That's the kind of father that he wants to be to us. A kind of father that's available to us. A kind of father that's emotionally attached to us. 
a kind of father who wants to communicate with us and wants to spend time with us. And he invites every one of us into his family. And, and, and as we come together in this family, I, I think we miss one of the great things. He, he wants not only to be our father, but he wants us to be brothers and sisters. He wants us to begin to love each other. He wants us to begin to care for each other. He wants us to begin to know each other. He wants us to spend time together and to begin to celebrate with each other, to rejoice when one rejoices and to mourn with the one who mourns, to be a strength and to be wisdom to each other. And I, I really do believe that there's times in, in our world today when we get so busy and we are so separated that we undervalue the importance of the church, of followers of Christ, being a family. Of us loving each other and getting to know each other and carrying each other's burden together and being loyal and committed to each other. Last night and even today, I've got friends here today, well, people I consider family members that live in far-flung parts of, of America today. And it's just great to see them when they get home. It's great to have somebody like Lindsay get up and sing when she's around town. It's great just to be a part of the family, isn't it? This is why being in a small group is so important. This is why you getting to know other people in the fellowships, why we built this whole entryway out here so there would be plenty of room for us to stand around and talk because we're supposed to be family. We're supposed to get to know each other. We're supposed to love each other and care for each other and hurt when somebody hurts, celebrate when somebody celebrates. And this is God sending the Son to reveal this to us so that we can know what the world is really supposed to be like so that this world that is so divided over age and race and every imaginal, everything imaginable from styles and tastes and divided and angry at each other, that they could see a group of people that come together, that cross economic boundaries, that cross educational boundaries, that cross ethnic boundaries, that cross racial boundaries, that cross every kind of boundary that you can imagine, and they walk into the midst of that and they find the family of God. That's what we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to let the dividing parts of this, that this world divides the world over, impact us. We're supposed to see a God who loves every one of us and draws us together and at the foot of the cross and around the, and around the manger that we can stand and say we are a united family of believers. What God reveals to us at Christmas is that there's purpose. Jesus came with a purpose. And when you come into the family of God, I want to remind you today that there's purpose. Part of that purpose is how we care for others in the family. God tells us very clearly that he gifts every one of us for the common good to build up the family. It's a terrible thing. It's a sad thing when you hear about someone who has been in a church setting and they've been hurt inside of the church setting. And, and honestly, friends, inside the church setting, we're all a bunch of human beings that are still flawed. We haven't been completely perfected yet. 
We're not in heaven yet, and so there's danger that we can make mistakes. There's a call for us to forgive each other. But when you get into a situation where somebody is very intentfully manipulative and painful, it can really skew how somebody sees the church. The church is supposed to be a place where we care for each other. Where even if we have to speak in discipline, we speak it in love and in patience and in kindness. And we work together to build one another up. And there's purpose in that. There's gifting in that. You've been gifted. You've been given talents. You've been given abilities. You've been given an, a, a, a mindset and a, a heart set that matches with some of the gifts of the, of the Spirit of God where you can do things and be a part of something that will make others' lives better. There's purpose for our life. And it's not only inside of the body of Christ, but we are to work patiently to care for those who are outside the body of Christ. To not see them as an enemy, to not see them as somebody that we don't want to be around, but to see them as how do we love them, how do we serve them, how do we care for them, so they too can see the love of Christ. Listen, the economy of God is different than the economy of the world. In the economy of the world, there's power and riches. In the economy of the world, there's power and positions. In the economy of the world, there's power and stardom. But these do not build treasures in heaven. These are not the things that God says are important. God tells us that generosity is important. And that every one of us, no matter how much we have or how little we have, there's a way for us to be generous. God tells us that service is important. And in whatever way, in whatever gift, in whatever style we have, there is a way for us to serve others. God tells us that obedience is important. That we can walk in obedience to his word and let his wisdom shine to the world around us. And God tells us that love is important. And when we walk in these things and do these things, he tells us that we store up treasures in heaven. That there's purpose for our life. There's meaning for our life that lasts past the temporal stages that we live in on this earth and springs into eternity where we will live forever. And I want to challenge you today to capture your purpose. To let your purpose be revealed to you. And to walk in the wholeness of who God is and to store up treasures in heaven. The, 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 the Christmas season tells us that and reveals to us, as we spoke last night if you were here, about the brokenness of the world. Just this complete understanding that we have to come to that the world is broken, and I'm part of the world, and I'm broken. I can't heal myself. I can't fix myself. I don't know a way out except through Jesus. And in our brokenness, God has acted in mercy. He's revealed mercy to us so that we can come to him and be healed. This is great news for us at Christmas time. As we look at this world, it's not going the way it's supposed to be going. It's broken and it's filled with pain. This is important for us to understand about ourselves. And as we, as we talked a little bit Wednesday night, if you came to Sunday on Wednesday night last week, 
this aspect that we have to be able to know where we're broken at. You have to be able to identify inside of your own spirit before God. Where are your key flaws and brokenness? How do they act out so that the mercy of God can begin to heal you in those places? I've been around a few people in my years on this earth who were so miserable, so unhappy with themselves, so demanding and frustrated, so angry that they couldn't hardly stand seeing somebody else be happy. You ever been around somebody that seems like if somebody else is happy, they're unhappy? they, They either point out others' faults continually. They want to take the person who's happy and explain to them why they shouldn't be happy. They ooze with sarcasm with everything that happens. They argue. They criticize everybody else's efforts. Nothing else is good enough. They just generally become a ruiner of everything good. It almost feels like they find life in a fight. A good argument makes them feel better about themselves. Tearing somebody else down makes them feel like they're better. And they can be abusive and they can be cutting. And as in most personalities, there are all levels of degrees of these people from the passive-aggressive person to the literal almost feels like hired gunslinger. That when they walk in the house, shots are going to be fired. Listen, if you're dealing with a pain giver, with someone like that, don't give them the power over your emotions. It's hard because some of them are very astute at identifying your buttons. But I want to just tell you, they're just a wounded soul. They're just a broken person. And don't let a person filled with brokenness Control your emotions. See, our call as Christians, and and if, if you have a tendency to lean that way, you need to identify that in yourself. Our call as Christians is to be encouragers. To not be the critic, but to be the encourager. To not be the one that tears down but to be the one that builds up. That's our call. That's that's how we should walk through life. How do we show some thankfulness for the effort? Do you remember maybe when your kids were little and uh, they brought you in and maybe you had little girls and they wanted to have a tea party or something with you and it's all so simple. But you, you didn't look at it and say, well, this isn't a real tea party. A real tea party has real tea. Now, you don't do that, do you? I hope you don't. God help your poor child and what kind of warped outcome they have if that's what you were. No, we're to be encouragers. And it may seem simple to you and it may seem, you know, maybe not as good as it could be, but it may be their best effort today. Our life is supposed to be the life of encouragers. We're supposed to be a people who love people. Oh, the flesh is, 
I don't know about your flesh, but the flesh really tries to make us not love people. So we've talked already today, it, the, the flesh tries to divide us and tries to separate us and tries to make us look down on somebody who's different than us or judge somebody where the scripture calls us to love people. The great example, the great revelation that we've talked about here today at Christmas time is that God loves us. In spite of our flaws, in spite of our sin, he sent his son to die for us because his great picture of our future is one in relationship with him, one in unity with him, one where we're in communion with him, not one separated from him, not one where he's putting us down, but one where he's lifting us up. And he calls us to be a people who love people. That's the call of the Christian. The call of the Christian is is to encourage people, to love people. And the call of the Christian is to serve people. And I want to tell you, when you do those things, that's when you find life. That's when you find life. Uh, Here's one thing to remember. Someone has been trying to ruin, ruin Christmas from the very beginning. You remember the story we just read? Herod didn't take very well to the first Christmas season. Somebody's been trying to ruin Christmas from the start. However, God always provides a way of escape for those who are in the middle of his will. For the wise men, it was a revelation that they should return home a different way. For Joseph and Mary, it was the finances and the revelation, it's time to get out of here. And just very frankly, let me just tell you, there's times when it's time to just get out of there and to get away from the pain the enemy's trying to pour down on your life. And then it was a revelation of it's time to come home. See, God always provides that way for us So today, Christmas may be hard for you for a lot of reasons. It may be hard because there's hard people around. It may be hard because there's bad circumstances. It may be hard because there's grief. But I would tell you it's hard. It becomes harder because we look too deeply at the problem and not deeply enough at the answer. So what is the problem? Nobody denies that it's real. It's there. It's painful. No one denies that, least of all God. God recognizes and sent his son that we live in a broken world. So look at the problem, but then make sure you look at God and what he has done. He has sent his son. He is now present with us, and his promises are with us in the middle of all of our problems. It's been nine years, nine Christmases, since my father went to be home with the Lord. To this day, when one of the kids or grandkids do something that I know he would have liked, I find myself missing him. I know he'd enjoyed being a part of that. He would have loved being a part of so many things that they have done, and right now Ollie and Josiah are at an age that his sights would have been joyfully on them to torment them ceaselessly. I'm doing my best to make sure they don't miss that in their life. 
that I help fulfill that role. On that first holiday season when my mom and we had the family gathered together and, and my mom said to me, I want you to sit in his chair. That was a bit overwhelming. His office sat empty for about five months and I just didn't know what to do with it. Until one day my mom came and said, I want you to, to move in there. And I didn't quite know how to emotionally deal with that. But here's the one thing that I would tell you. Loss is real, but so is the presence of God. I don't get healed running and hiding from the things that stir my grief. I don't get healed trying to bury them and ignore them. We don't get healed by not recognizing the frustration or the bitterness of our heart and trying to cover them up. We get healed by going to the one who fills the void and brings his purpose alive in us. This has been one of the major emphasis of this month for us. One of the things I've tried to talk to you about every week. The importance of you developing this one-on-one relationship with Jesus. For you to separate yourself out, to go close the door from time to time in your life. Get away from everybody else and learn how to talk to God. Learn how to hear from God. Learn how to pour your grief out to him. Learn how to pour your sorrows out to him. Learn how to pour the unpleasant things that are happening to you. Learn how to pour out your fears to him. Learn how to seek him about your dreams and your desires. Learn how to listen to him for his promises. Learn how to look back into your past and see how God's moved in you in the past so that your past can inform your future. Oh, I want you to capture this so bad. There are things you've walked through in life where God has revealed himself to you. There are scriptures like we're reading at Christmas time where God reveals himself to you for the very purpose that no matter what you're facing tomorrow, instead of you being caught up in the circumstances that are right in front of you, you can see the revealed hand of God. How he worked yesterday, he will work today. I don't have to walk in fear. I don't have to walk in discomfort, I can walk in the faith that God is going to keep me because he's done it time and time again. He's revealed it in his word to his children time and time again. I can count on a loving God to rescue me. Listen, you don't get the, you can have this up here you can know it up here, and you should. You say, oh, yeah, pastors, yeah, scriptures, yeah, 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 yeah. But until you learn to get alone with God and God do it in you, him stir his presence in you, him speak to you and say, I know you're scared, I know you're worried, I know you don't know what's coming next, but look at this right back here in your history. Look at this right back here in your past. Look at this right back here in my word. Until he does that in you, you'll never be free from the worry of it. But when that happens, you'll find yourself dancing when you're all alone. Because the hope of God will rule in your life. Don't miss it. Oh, he said, oh, Pastor, that just sounds weird. It's magnificent. It's magnificent. 
but you've got to take the time to do it. You've got to recognize that he sent his son because he wants to be one-on-one with you. This is a part of the Christmas message we need to understand. Nothing can destroy God's plan for you except you. Nothing was going to stop that baby from being born. No political government was going to put that baby off the face of this earth. That baby had a purpose. And God's purpose was going to unfold. God's plan for you cannot be stopped by all the demons in hell. If you'll obey God and follow God, nothing can separate you from God. Nothing can separate you from his plan. But we have to be reminded that there's hope in Christ and that we're not alone. Listen, Christmas is an invasion. It is an invasion of God onto this earth. We'd been separated from him because of sin. And God in his love said, I love them enough, I'm going to invade the planet. And Herod, by the demons that ruled this cruel man, sensed the threat, knew the threat and wanted to stomp it out, but it couldn't be done. Even this day, those without Jesus want to push Jesus out because Jesus is a threat. Jesus means there's a God that we're going to answer to someday. The basic gospel tells us that those who put their faith in Jesus will spend eternity in in heaven and those who reject him will spend eternity separated from God in hell. That's a threat to those who don't want to follow Jesus. They want to push that message out. They want to secularize the, the day because they don't want to face the fact that someday they're going to stand before a living God and answer for what they did with the man Jesus and with the love that he brought onto this earth. Jesus said we're, says we are, re- Jesus and him being the son of God says that we're responsible for our lives, that we have been given, that we've been given while others want to tell us that we're just a product of nature and a product of our environment and we can't help what we do, we can't help what we say we are, we just need to give in to it. God looks at us and says, no, I've sent my son to rescue you from what you are so you can be better than what you are. So you can walk in the fullness. Jesus is a threat to those who want to live that way. He means I cannot give in to every whim. I can't, I can't get by with anything. I've got to follow after him. The man without Jesus wants to totally secularize the world, but it is a hopeless place that that man would, would build. We see the results of it in the world all around us, and we discover there's no solution for the death of our loved ones and for ourselves, But Jesus came to set us free from death. Not only physical death, but the death of an eternity separated from God. If Jesus is the Son of God, then there's a way to walk and to live. There is a purpose for our lives. There is hope in our suffering. There is a word that we can count on. There is a spirit that will guide us. And death has been defeated. This is why we celebrate even on our worst days. Is even on our worst days 
when the world's trying to destroy the message, we can count on the fact God will not be overcome. Amen? Let's stand and give the Lord a clap offering today. Yeah, give the Lord a great clap offering. Can you do that? Father, we thank you. Father, right now, there are some in this room for various reasons. I, I know some who are facing grief today. There are others that, Father, maybe are, are facing the results of other people's actions. Father, circumstances of the day have, have them a little sorrowful for the day. Lord, we don't, we don't deny that these things can be painful. We just rejoice that your son is the answer. And so, Father, we pray that even as we walk through this earth and the uncertainty of each day that seems to be around us, that we would build our life on the certainty of who you are. And we would recognize today that no matter how bare the cupboards may be at this moment, at just the right time, you're going to fill them. Lord, we rejoice in you today, and we celebrate you today. And Father, we thank you for this great Christmas day, and we pray that we would leave here with a new understanding, a new revelation, a deeper revelation of who you are and what our relationship with you is to be like. Today, Father, you know the condition of every heart in this room. You know which ones of us have surrendered our life to your son and are following you. You know the ones of us who are surrendered our life to your son, but Father, we're not taking that time to be with you and discover the grace of your strength in our life. And I just pray you'd continue to reveal yourself to us and draw us to those moments. And Father, you know if there's someone here today who needs to cross the line of faith. They need to turn from a secular, godless world and turn and put their hope in your Son that you've revealed to us by sending him to this earth to die for us. And so today, Father, I pray if there's those that need to do that, that they would do that this very moment in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come down to the front today. If you're here, wherever you're at, come on down. We're going to end this service by worshiping God today. And if you have any need in your life on this Christmas day, any need in your life, will you come down and let somebody pray with you? We believe prayer changes things. I love you. God loves you. And Merry Christmas to every one of you today. Amen.